This little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine Welcome to This Little Light this of Mine The podcast where we explore what happens when you teach a child that they are not allowed to love. Here's your host, James Powell. Hello and welcome to episode 7 of This Little Light of Mine. My name is James Powell and I'm glad that you're here with us today. This episode is being released during the week of pride in my hometown of Toronto, Canada. It's also Canada Day on July 1st and Independence Day on July 4th in the US. And on July 8th, I will get my one-year medallion to commemorate one year of sobriety. What a difference a year makes. This weekend, my friend David and I got our stand-up paddleboards out on the water for the first time this season. As we sat in the still, calm water and looked back at the spectacular Toronto summer skyline, you would have no idea that anything had changed from the year before. From the outside of the city looking in, everything was glistening in the sun. Cranes topped many new buildings as they stretched into our expanding skyline, showing the progress of our ever-growing city. The beach in the distant horizon was lined with people enjoying themselves in the sun, and the sounds of music and laughter drifting from passing speedboats signaled the fun and freedom that our summer brings. From our vantage point in the middle of the lake, everything was picture-perfect and Instagram-worthy. From our vantage point, you would have no idea of the chaos and trauma that is eating away at our city from within. Outside looking in, you can't see the pain and the hurt of anti-black racism. You can't hear the cries of Black Lives Matter that echo in our streets. Outside looking in, you can't see our crisis of people experiencing homelessness. The streets, parks, and alleyways dotted with tents, sleeping bags, and personal belongings. They aren't visible from here. Outside looking in, you can't see that we're in the middle of a global pandemic. You can't see that the towers in our skyline have been empty for months. You can't see the restaurants and attractions that haven't been able to open or conduct business as usual since the winter. Outside looking in, you can't see the desperation, the anguish, the fear, and the questioning of so many of our citizens and our businesses. Outside looking in, you can't see the complex trauma that plagues our city and cities around the world. In fact, outside looking in, everything looks great. But I know better. I know that the outside doesn't match the inside. And as I paddle back towards the city, I realize that this time last year, my outside didn't match my inside either. This time last year, I was drowning in fear, barely keeping my nose above water with my addictions and doing everything I could to hold my mental and physical health together so that nobody could see the cracks. This time last year, I prayed that nobody could see that my insides did not match my outsides. This time last year, I would do whatever it took to keep my painful illusion intact. And this year, I know better. And this year, I'm doing better. I'm no longer playing into the illusion of my life. And this year, I hope that as a society, we will hit rock bottom and call out for the help that we so desperately need. This year, I hope that we can collectively acknowledge the complex trauma our world is going through on so many levels. I hope that we can all collectively cry out, cry out for the help that we so desperately need. 
In today's episode of This Little Light of Mine, I share the part of my story where this project first began. I take you into my disclosure session with my parents during my stay at a long-term complex trauma and rehabilitation center in the U.S. In this episode, I break the illusion. And this is where I really started living. I'm thankful that we didn't really have a Pride weekend in Toronto this year. I'm thankful for the chaos, the anguish, and trauma that we're all living through right now. I'm thankful because I hope this signals the start of our collective awakening. As our world is seemingly falling apart, I know deep within that it has to. We need to break open because something new is waiting to be born. And now, here's today's episode called Complex Trauma. Never in my life did I ever, ever expect to be here. In fact, this exact situation is my worst childhood fears come to life. It's an unusually warm mid-November day and my parents have just checked into the facility. They've surrendered all of their digital technology and they've been escorted up to a second floor family room of my rehabilitation and trauma recovery facility near Philadelphia. I'm nearing the end of a month-long stay to help me overcome religious, sexual trauma, abuse, and addiction. And as I read these words out loud while recording this podcast episode, I can't believe that I'm actually sharing what I've spent my entire life so desperately trying to hide. I'm completely blowing my cover, and a small part of me, it still says, slam the brakes. You're not safe. My parents have traveled down to be part of a process, and we will spend the next eight hours talking about the parts of my life that I've kept hidden for over 30 years. For the first time in my life, I'm about to be painfully honest about my experiences being part of our family and church community, share some of the feelings that I've locked away from my entire life, and to disclose deeply hidden, pain-filled, and shame-filled parts of me that I gave birth to in my preteen years. Part of me knows that this experience is my worst nightmare come to life, and yet another part of me, I'm at complete peace. It has taken decades for us to get here, and over those years, so much has changed between my parents and me. They aren't the same people who raised me. They aren't the same people who outed me in my 20s. Sitting here in this moment, I can now see that they did the best with what they had and with the resources and the support that their church community offered. And when I think about it, with what their parents had handed down to them. And even though I see this now, it doesn't erase what has happened in my life and continues to happen to LGBTQ children growing up in religious families all around the world. Sitting here, I also know that I'm not the same terrified and helpless child that I used to be either. We've all grown, changed and evolved, and this peaceful part of me knows that God has inspired this exact situation to provide the most loving, supportive, 
and safe environment for all of us. As we nervously engage in small talk, I go inside of myself and can finally acknowledge that the denial of the traumatic effects of my childhood, my teens, and my young adult life had fueled my destructive behavior and put the brakes on any ability for authentic recovery and healing. My childhood trauma and abuse has also fueled the overwhelming feelings of toxic shame and fear that surge through my body as I wait for this conversation to begin. And yet, at the same time, there's that other part of me, that part that's been growing exponentially over the last few weeks and months, that part of me that feels strong, hopeful, and on purpose in this incredibly uncomfortable space. I know that I am being reborn. The clinical director of the facility guides us through the session and we get to the place where I'm able to lay everything out on the table. It's time for me to finally use my voice and I feel like I'm going to be sick. I have to talk to my parents about sex and how sex has controlled my life. These are the same parents who never spent more than five minutes talking to me about sex in my entire lifetime, other than to admonish me for catching me masturbating or having porn hidden beneath my bed when I was a teenager. With those awkward memories seared on my brain forever, I knew that I had to push forward anyways. I talked about the trauma I'd experienced growing up, the abuse that I'd lived through, and the subsequent addictions mental health and physical health challenges that are holding me back. I shared that I'd never felt safe, never ever. I'd never felt protected, and how I felt that my voice was stolen away from me as a young child, stolen away because of the beliefs of our family, our church, and our religion. I shared that despite what I present externally, I've always lived in a trauma state of fight, flight, freeze, or please. I shared how living in the specter of conversion therapy and having the director of Exodus International go to our church, that I'd lived in a constant state of anxiety and paranoia. I thought that everyone was waiting for me, watching for me to make a mistake or to let my gay out so that they could all pounce on me and send me off to a de-gay camp so I could be reprogrammed. I shared how the views of our church around homosexuality had infected my thinking, damaged my soul, and forced me to have to parent myself. I explained to them the devastating downstream effects that occurred when a 12-year-old me with toxic self-esteem and self-worth had no other options and no one to turn to. I also helped them understand that the decisions that I've been making since a young boy have taken me to such an extreme low that I've been experiencing thoughts of ending my life. But probably the most painful thing that I had to share, I knew that my parents loved me, but I'd never been able to feel that love. Yes, I could hear their words, see their actions, but a deeper part inside of me has always believed that their love was a conditional offer. The real me, the inner me, was locked so far beneath that exterior shell that I've built to protect myself that their love was never able to penetrate. 
I opened up and shared how I can now see that they didn't have any tools, experience, or knowledge on how to love a gay Christian child. How could they? These tools and resources didn't exist back then. And quite frankly, 25, 30 years later, they still don't exist. The complete emotional neglect of my childhood left me feeling worthless, unlovable, and devastatingly empty. This emptiness left me starving for connection, and yet there was nobody in my childhood or teenage life that I felt safe enough to share my inner turmoil with. Locked alone in my private inner hell, I shut off any real outer emotion. I dressed myself with a smile and a wardrobe of perfectionism and fake confidence and marched head-on into countless situations of sexual abuse, process, and substance addictions. This was my way of coping, my way of numbing the pain that was too big to hold inside, my way of escaping the world, even if just for an hour, even if just for a minute. And what started out as a coping mechanism for an emotionally abandoned young boy turned into a lifestyle that brought me to my knees, hurt countless others, and nearly cost me my life. And after several hours of raw and unedited disclosure, sharing and listening, we all had tears in our eyes and one overriding thought. How in the world did we get to this place? How in the world did we end up here? No parent should ever have to hear that their child has never been able to feel their love. And more important, no child should ever feel unlovable and have to go without feeling the love of their parents. How did we get to this place? We were, and many still consider us to be the perfect Powells. Friends growing up would always tease me that our family was a modern day version of the Cleavers from Leave it to Beaver. From their perspective, we were the perfect white middle-class family with nothing to worry about. We all fit into the boxes and the roles that we were assigned to at birth. We were all healthy, we had everything we ever needed, and we never fought. Again, this was their perspective. I'm the oldest of three kids, each of us perfectly separated by two years. My dad always had a good job that provided for us. My mom was a stay-at-home mom who was always around for us, and during the early years, we even got to come home for a warm lunch every school day. And when we didn't come home for lunch, we got a loving note and stickers placed on our napkins in our lunch boxes. We knew that we were loved because our parents were always there for us. And we knew that we were loved because the words on a lunch bag napkin don't lie. Our family was centered around church, and we were taught about the unconditional love of Jesus from birth. My dad was part of our church board. We went to church on Sundays, youth group on Saturday night, and did our small group Bible studies on Tuesday nights. Each of us kids invited Jesus Christ into our hearts at young ages, and we were assured that this guaranteed us eternal life in heaven. We knew the books of the Bible, and our family memorized Bible verses together every week. We even read a Bible story, sang the doxology, praised God from whom all blessings flow, and prayed together after dinner each night. 
We were raised to obey our parents, say our please and thank yous, finish everything on our plates, clean our rooms, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, and of course follow the Ten Commandments. We had a beautiful home, swimming pool in the back, new cars every few years, great vacations, and we all dressed the rule. Each of us excelled at school and had plenty of friends from school and church that we enjoyed hanging out with. I was the leader of our church youth group and on our school's student council where I excelled at organizing events and social activities. And looking back, we had everything within reason that we could ever want. And yet here, here we are. At 42, I'm sitting in this facility in Philadelphia, sharing with my parents how I had an invisible noose hanging around my neck for almost my entire life. A noose that was now tight enough to take away my life. As I reflect back on my life and answer that question, how did we get here? I can see that it's because I accepted three massive lies as truth. And I've been letting these lies guide me forward for almost my entire life. The first lie involves the church. And I believe the lie that God doesn't create homosexuals and that homosexuals are not allowed to love. And saying it that way, that's the very polite version of what I was taught from my church community. The second lie is a lie that I bought from the gay community. And I take responsibility for buying this lie. But I believe that I got my worth from my body and from what I do and own, that independence is the king, commitment isn't needed, and intimacy is absent. And the third lie was my career. I believe that my job defined me, and it was a marker of my worth, and that this should be the number one priority in my life. And what I'm seeing now, it's time for me to bring these lies out into the open. To obliterate the shame. To define my own truth. And start to use my actual voice. But the scary part is, when I peel away those masks, when I remove those lies, when I look in the mirror, I don't see anything staring back. But that's part of this journey. I need to figure out who I am. For me. Because my life depends on it. This is my return to love. And somehow in all of this, I need to find out how I can let my light shine. And part of it, part of it I know, is to celebrate God's unconditional love for all people. Because we are all creative, we're all guiltless, we're all resourceful, and we're all whole. We are all loved, worthy of love. All of us, including me.
I have to admit that my heart is racing and my breathing is quite shallow after sharing this episode with you. All of my protector parts are telling me to rein it in, play it safe, and hit delete. But the deeper I get into recovery, the more I heal, and the more I know that I've been given everything that I need to move forward and use my voice with love. I'm also learning that using my authentic voice doesn't always feel spectacular. In fact, sometimes it feels downright scary. In my personal life, I'm being presented with a number of opportunities to speak up, share my truth, and break some of the social codes of silence that I passively learned to accept over the years. I can see right in front of my face how my privilege gets in the way and how I use that as an excuse not to do what I know is right for me and what's right for the world. Using my authentic voice can be hard, it can be scary, and to be honest, sometimes it's easier just to look the other way and hope that someone else will speak up. And that's not the person I was created to be. This path forward may not always be easy, but this is the work I believe we all need to do so that something better can be born. We are better and we are stronger when we come together. I want to extend a massive thank you to Amanda, Coach Carrie, and all the powerful women in my life who continue to teach me, stretch me, and lovingly help me see my privilege. Amanda, Coach Carrie, Aaron, Angelique, Muku, Megan, Suze, Lynn, Leah, and Ashley. I am better for knowing you. I also want to thank each of you for joining us here today. And a huge thank you to all of you who have subscribed to this little light of mine, shared your ratings and reviews, and provided feedback. Thank you for helping me share a message of unconditional love for all people. We'll be back in two weeks' time with a brand new episode with my personal friend, Kathy W., where she will share her incredible story of recovery and talks with us about the gift of pain. So what about you? As you reflect back on today's episode, what comes up? Do your insides match your outside? Is there a part of you that's yearning to come to the surface? Know that there is greatness within you. Let that light shine. The world needs you. You are loved. Thanks for listening to this little light of mine. To learn more about our guests today and for links from our show, visit www.thislittlelightofmine.ca. If you enjoyed this episode or feel that it could bring love and acceptance into someone else's life, please like, rate, review, and share so that we can build our community and bring more love into the world for all people. Thank you for sharing your time and listening to our stories today. And we would love to hear your story too. Visit the Get Involved section of thislittlelightofmine.ca to share your voice. We love being in community with you and look forward to sharing more with you next time. Now go and let your light shine bright because you are loved.